I uh, spent um, some time, you know, talking with you know colleagues in ministry. This unique day when uh, the the resurrection celebration occurs on the same day of April Fool's Day, and uh, you know, I had a couple friends told me things that they had done when they first got up. Uh, one, they said, "Why don't you get up and tell your congregation you've converted, like to Eastern Orthodoxy or, or something like that?" You know. And, see the response. If you want to send them into uh, um, cognitive dissonance, um, tell them you won the lottery and that uh, because of that, you know, the budget's uh, saved so you can, you know, take your tithe, you know, elsewhere, you know, and see what that does to people's minds. Or don't tell even your family this one and stand up and say, yeah, we're pregnant expecting our fourth child. And uh, that'll really send uh, them for a loop. But I decided to do none of that. Um, but we did have a uh, good a good time as we talked, just saying, you know. But it is the power of the resurrection that made the people then who looked like fools be the ones who were truly wise. It was the power of the resurrection who took the ones who were feeling like fools and put them in their right mind, and right spirit. And it's the power of the resurrection today that continues to do the same. Where Jesus even looked like a fool hanging on the cross. And it's the power of the resurrection that showed him to be, no, the only, not a fool at all, but the only wise God. So let's um, uh, take take a look uh, at Jesus' interaction with the disciples on that, that first day after his resurrection. It's John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. Um, it's on page A83 in your Pew Bible. You can uh, follow along there or follow along with uh, on the, uh, the screens or whatever form uh, you uh, have the Bible in. Let's pray. Almighty God, We ask now that your Holy Spirit would um, blow through us, would fill us, would um, open the the eyes of our heart and and our soul to you. So that we would hear you, we would experience you, that the power of the resurrection would be real even to us today. Help us to set aside all the, the things that can distract us or deter us. So that what we hear above all is you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, um, John chapter 20, starting with 19, and this is the, the day of the, the resurrection. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, 
who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house. And Thomas was with them, although the doors were shut. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now what what we see here. We, we see here that the deepest longing of Jesus, and this is the, we, we've been walking through the longings of Jesus, the, the, the desires of Jesus throughout um, this, this season before Easter, this season we call Lent. And here what we see is Jesus' deepest longing to be known. His deepest longing is to be known, is to be seen by anyone and everyone. That's why he came. That's why he was raised. That's why he's with the disciples here. Now imagine with me this day, if we can even. Imagine this, this day, the disciples, just where, how they're feeling. I mean, we get a sense of it from the text, right? They're, they're, they're in this room. They've locked the door because they're scared. They're, they're fearful of the Jews. I mean, imagine that they must be feeling foolish because they've given their lives to Jesus, who said he had come to bring the kingdom of God, that he had come to bring this new way of life. And so they had bought in. They bought in with their full lives following after Jesus, and now he was. Killed like a common criminal. Executed on a cross. They Together, they hadn't seen him since they saw him on the cross. And now, they were scared the same thing was going to happen to them. I mean, what had happened to Jesus was now going to happen to his followers. So they were in there scared to death, literally. We understand that, right? And when we have that kind of fear, when you face that kind of fear, when any of us face that, our natural response is either fight or flight. Well, they're in full flight mode. I mean, they are fleeing. They've locked the doors so as to protect themselves for as long as they can. And that that fear will do that to us, literally and Emotionally as well. You know, when, when, we're, when our lives are characterized by fear, we lock our doors to the people outside and we even lock our doors to ourselves. We're, we're, we've locked others out and we've locked ourselves in. And in the midst of that kind of imprisonment, 
In that kind of slavery to fear, Jesus enters into the room. Enters into the room, and the first thing that he says to them is peace to you. See, he wants to reveal himself, and he will reveal himself, even when we lock ourselves out, lock others out, or lock ourselves in. Jesus is there seeking to share the peace of the resurrection. I mean, three times in the passage that we just read, in these ten verses, he says, peace to you. Shalom. Actually, a, um, a better translation of, of that, and I'll be sure to write that to the translators, is shalom, y'all. Really is what he's saying. Is It's not like sometimes we think of peace as absence of conflict or absence of pain. It's, shalom is much deeper than that. It's, it's a, a peace of, of community. It's a peace of, with God. It's a peace that is present even in the face of conflict. Even in the face of death. It's a peace that's to be lived out in a community of people that are at peace with God and peace with one another because of Jesus. Not because of our circumstances. It's one that's to be experienced together. That's shalom, y'all. And this this shalom, this peace that he brings, doesn't get rid of the conflict because of the disciples that are there, the group that are there, they, they receive his peace. He, he shows them the, the scars. But they're eventually in their life, they're, they're either going to be imprisoned or executed for their faith. So it doesn't take that away. It doesn't take the opposition. It doesn't take death away. But it takes away the fear of death. It grants a peace that is even greater when they see the risen Lord. And and notice too that Jesus this this resurrection isn't something that's just a metaphor. It's not a nice religious fable. That that's why he he then shows them his wounds. He says, "Hey, look, it's me." He's he's known by his scars. And his scars are still with him, even in his resurrected body. And he's saying, that, that, yeah, this isn't just a metaphorical peace. This isn't a nice fable, religious fable about peace. Because the fear and death, the pain that we face is not metaphorical. It's real. And so is his resurrection. And if it's not, then we indeed are the fools. Paul says as much. He tells us in his his letters that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we are most to be pitied. Because we're placing our faith in that which is not real. And we are here because we believe that evil is real. Death is real. But that the but Jesus' resurrection is real, and He demonstrated His power over evil, over death, over hatred, to show that it's victorious. So that's why it's as crazy as it is that when the disciples see Jesus' scars in the midst of their real fear and terror, they then rejoice. 
Because now they know that what he had been saying is true and it's worth our whole lives. It's not just a nice idea, not, not just a religious talk, but the reality of the universe. That God is real and in Jesus we have victory over sin. Over death, over guilt. Because imagine this too. I mean, the the disciples here, they were the same disciples that denied him. They were the same disciples that that abandoned him. that, that, That ran in the face of that opposition and left him alone on the cross. And then Jesus enters into their lives just as he enters into yours and mine. In our guilt, in our fear, when we lock the door to those outside, lock the door to ourselves, he's entering in regularly saying, peace, joy is yours in me. Even in the face of all of this. I mean, what transformation? They felt themselves to be fools five minutes ago. And now they are in full celebration. Because it shows them that they have invested them, their lives in those last three years in what is true. They're, 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 they're not like some who wonder every day who have invested in Bitcoin. I don't even get Bitcoin. I still don't get it. And I've even tried to read about it. Yeah, and the accountants in here are shaking their head. Don't invest in Bitcoin. Or what maybe you thought was a sure thing last week or two weeks ago. Something like Facebook. You know, how could that go south? Well, here you go. Look at the last week and a half. And it's gone south. They, you can invest in all kinds of things. And then you find out you invested your life in what is false you can lose a whole lot more than money. And here, they know at this moment, they have invested their life in what is true, in what is more powerful, even than death. So their joy is never going away. If you're, you have an inkling to do this uh, this afternoon or during the course of this week, um, go back and, and read John 14, 15, and 16, those chapters. Because it's in those chapters that Jesus in his prayer and his conversation with his disciples, he tells them that he's going to do these things. That he's going to bring a peace that the world can't bring. He's going to bring a joy that will never be taken away. And, and so he's fulfilling that right now. Showing... As he's gone through the cross, showing his love. Now, in the power of the resurrection, he's showing his power. That he is both willing and able to bring forgiveness. To destroy our guilt and shame. To bring us to him. And that's how peace and joy are eternal. And why? He then tells the, the disciples, now, as, as the Father has sent me, at what you've experienced in me, this, this kind of joy that can't be taken away, this, I'm now, I'm sending you. Just as I was sent, now I'm sending you. And that, that's the same for anyone here who is following Jesus. You've experienced that joy. You've experienced that peace. Even if maybe today is the first time that has struck you, that the, the peace and joy that he gives you, he's now filled us with his spirit and saying, now go. You go and share that same joy and peace with others. 
We'll, we'll tell you, for some of you, you're like, the Holy Spirit, I, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, I'm not. We've got a sermon series starting next Sunday that we'll go into that. But for now, just know, Jesus, he gives us Holy Spirit as his very presence to carry then this wonderful message of joy and peace and forgiveness. This shalom to any and all who will follow him. And then, after that, you know, the, we're, we're, we're told they're given their marching orders and they, they go and it's, and it's the next Sunday. It's the next week. And they've gathered together again and we find out that Thomas, one of them, wasn't present in this first gathering. And, and what, so what we see is, you know, Jesus longs to be known, so he shows up even when the doors are locked. He gives peace and joy to folks so that then as the church, they can take that to others in the power of the Spirit because he longs to be known. And here we see that that Jesus longs to be known even by the doubters and the folks that are unsure and even who are actively seeking to keep him at arm's length. He longs to be known. Because this is, this is Thomas. Where he, he, he hears the story. You know, this is, we met in peace and joy. This is great. And Thomas says, no. I'm not going to believe until I see it and touch it. I'm, I mean, he's actively saying, I'm not believing until I see it and touch it for myself. There's not even in him, and at least that he speaks about, an inkling I'm saying, huh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. He is a, a doubter with a purpose. As the least, God bless you, the least faith of all that were there. And what happens? Jesus enters in to the locked door. He enters in even to the locked mind. And says the same thing. Shalom, y'all. Maybe some of you are here because it's Easter and you're supposed to be here. But you're like more like Thomas. For a number of reasons you're like Thomas. It might be intellectual stuff. It might be that you've had bad experiences with folks who are representing Christ. One, I'm glad you're here. Uh, that, that's, that's great. And two, be on the lookout for Jesus. He longs to give you that peace. He longs to give you that joy. It may be that, that you're here, but you're saying, you know, Jesus isn't interested in me because you don't know what I was doing last night. You, you don't know what I was doing well, just maybe ten hours ago. Uh, Jesus does. And as Mike said at the beginning, he's glad you're here. And he longs to give you the joy and peace that you're searching for. Because it's what we were created for. We were created to know him, to have that joy and peace that comes from him, even in the face of death, even in the face of challenge, even in the face of evil. What the resurrection shows us is that God is willing and able to conquer 
He already has conquered that evil. Whatever we face, whatever we have within us, and he is saying, come to me. And he enters in. And I, I think, you know, he just looks to Thomas, you know, what do you... The fact that he just shows up and he doesn't, he just says, peace to y'all, shalom, y'all. And then he doesn't say, Thomas, where were you last Sunday? If you'd have been here last Sunday, you'd be getting this. Doesn't say, or doesn't say, you know, why, why are you so hard-headed? He doesn't say any of that. He just says, peace, shalom. And I don't think Thomas does anything but look at him and hear his voice. He doesn't say in the text that he goes and touches him. I don't think he does. Because I think in that moment, he sees him and experiences him, falls on his face, my God and my Lord. And so the one who had the least faith is the one who has the greatest statement of faith. Jesus wants to show himself. To any and all that don't see him. So what are your fears that cause you to lock your doors? Where is, what is your guilt about that you need to know? You're, you're not hiding anything from Jesus. He knows. And he's ready to bring that joy and that peace. He wants to lead us to a place. Uh, maybe... You've got serious doubts and you're actively pursuing not believing. What are those doubts? Ask them. Let them be known. Jesus isn't intimidated by that. And his love for you has not faltered. If we're going to be fools, then the call is to be a fool for Christ. Because that investment of our lives is the only one that pays eternal dividends. A real life, now and forever, of eternal peace and abundant joy. Amen.